Hello, welcome to this week's Therapy for Me. And I'm going to kind of start how I finished, if that makes some sense. Uh, So we'll kind of go straight in with where I left it last week, but not before we've had a little bit of that twangy guitar. So the guitar show last week was an absolute blast. Yes, it was an early start. Yes, I was absolutely knackered um, Saturday night and was asleep by about nine o'clock. And it was full on from the point when I got there to the point when I left on on both days. Um, But it was fantastic. Great new venue. Uh, Loads of people turned up. Um, Place was absolutely buzzing, which was great. And the live stage, stage was absolutely Superb, full of people over both days, uh, some fantastic artists who came and played, um, a couple I'd never heard of before who were really, really, um, really, really superb. And I ended up doing two kind of on stage interviews. So I ended up speaking to Ryan Roxy, and I've spoken to Ryan before um, on the 942 podcast. And Ryan's been Alice Cooper's guitarist for about 25 years, and he he just arrived and brought all that LA glamour with him so he absolutely just just came in full-on rock star uh, and did his thing and um he brought a couple of backing tracks with him but he went on stage and he, he said i found out in the morning and he said we will you um we, will you interview me will you ask give me some pointer questions and be on stage with with me while i'm on because i'm going to do a song and i'm going to chat for about 10 minutes and then i'll do another song then i'll chat for another 10 to 15 minutes and then we'll we'll wrap it up and I said, yeah, that's 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 fine, thinking I haven't got a clue what I'm going to talk to you about, and I wasn't really prepped for that mentally, but okay, it's, it's fine. And um, he goes on stage, and he basically says, hi, it's me, let's start with a tune, and he hits, he hits go on this backing track, and he then proceeds to play Poison. Um, the, uh, the the Alice Cooper track um, which has got an amazing guitar riff and it was just one of those songs that I grew up with and is on every single one of those you know those driving rock albums and he goes on stage and he plays Poison and he plays it no perfect and it's amazing and you're stood there and next to you Alex Alice Cooper's Alex <laughs> Alice Cooper's guitarist is playing Poison and then you have a chat uh, and then you correct him about telling him what album it's on because he he got that one wrong um and 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 then you move on and he he does one of his own tracks and you do a bit more and then he finishes with schools out and he's on stage playing schools out and he's just and he's there he's literally three feet away and you're just watching him attack this this guitar and it's just absolutely fantastic so so that was great and then of course i got to to interview luke morley who was an absolute sweetheart and we had a really nice chat for about 40 minutes and he was really lovely and he had his guitar with him as well. And, you know, five minutes into that interview, he, uh, we were talking and I was just like, well, go on, play us something. Play us the, play us the guitar riff from Dirty Love. And, and he just sits and plays the guitar riff from, you know, what is arguably the biggest Thunder single. And you're just there going, that's Luke Morley playing. And he's actually playing the guitar he played on the album. And it was just, it was just fantastic. But the thing about it all, and it was all great. I met some lovely people, and it was really, and the, and the, you know, the the atmosphere was 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 off the charts. And I met some really, really lovely people. But um, 
Luke appeared and he appeared with two guitars and one was a, a spangly silver strap, like a glitter style. And it reminded me of Dan Price because um, Dan's, that was what Dan's coffin looked like. You know, when I went to Dan's funeral, that, that kind of big, you know, glitter silver coffin that made everybody smile when it turned up, even though we were all in, in, incredibly sad. And I said, when I saw his guitar, I said, oh, I used to I, I used to have a good friend who was a rep for Fender called Dan Price. And Luke knew Dan. Um, and so we just had that nice little moment. You know, that little bonding moment where you find the thing and the thing, our thing, our point of contact um, was, was, was Dan. And uh, Luke hadn't known about, obviously, cause he'd, he'd, you know, he'd, he'd known him through his, his Fender Association and hadn't known about, um, you know, about the, 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 the sort of the silver spangly uh, glittery coffin. And so we had a moment, you know, talking about that, which was, which was really, really nice. Tuesday. Credit where credit's due. I think Rishi's done a really good job with what is now the Windsor framework, which is essentially the update to the Northern Ireland Protocol, the um, the amendments to the Northern Ireland Protocol. Um, and I think he's done a really good job because actually I think what he's done, I think what he's done is he's said sod it. And he's basically thought, I'm either going to go down trying to do something or I'm going to go down in hock to the right wing of my party. So let's go down trying to do something. Um, and I think he's looked at the the... the outlook for the rest of the year and looked at the fact that the economic outlook is going to improve considerably over the course of the year uh, and that and it looks like the recession uh, if we even go into recession because it's not clear because we keep bumping along negative growth bit of positive growth and we're not hitting that two quarters in a in a kind of a, a, a go thing as far as I'm, I can remember anyway I need to double check but as far as I remember but there's certainly whatever's going to hap- happen whether it be recession or whether it be economic downturn is not going to probably be as bad as we thought it was going to be then I think he's just looked at this and gone the only way I've got any chance of not being annihilated at the next election is actually just do some stuff and whilst I was very critical of the the five things he said judge me on because I didn't think they were real I think actually um, this is real and this is this is positive I think it's probably about as 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 far as you could go I'm still going to remain a remainer um, and, and Northern Ireland was always the problem you couldn't square. Then it's not been squared with what he's done, but it's got, we've got as close as we can to something that is that is workable. Um, but I think what's really really clever about what he's done, and certainly the the way the common strategy's gone, the way they've framed it, that the the, the kind of harmony between uh, him and the EU, the fact the EU clearly feel they can do business with him is is interesting. The whole Windsor thing in terms is very clever in terms of just making it feel like a very British thing. But I think he's 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 correctly identified that that I don't think the right wing of the party, I don't think Boris, I'm not even convinced the DUP, uh, can go after this. Um because I just don't think they've got the legs. And so it's going to be interesting to see what happens for the rest of the week. And I'm sure there will be some backlash. There's not been a lot of backlash so far. I think there will be some backlash, but I don't know if it'll any, any, be any more than sort of some hot air. And I do wonder if whether, to a certain extent, he's he's taking a gamble. But I think he might have neutered Boris in this. I don't think this is a hill that Boris is necessarily going to die on. 
Um, we're still, you know, waiting to find out exactly what Boris will say, but I don't think it's a hill he's going to die on. I don't know if it's a hill the DUP can afford to die on either. So actually, I think, I think actually, do you know what? I think he's, I think he's done well, and credit where credit's due. I think I, I said in the, in you know, in TFM that it would be nice to have a fairly boring year. Now it's not boring. There's still lots going on, but. This is kind of more of a return to the kind of politics where prime ministers actually solve problems. And in that respect, I, I, I don't think he's done bad at all. Wednesday. It was all about Sheffield United today and it was all about the Blades beating Tottenham. Um, and a fantastic night under the lights at Bramall Lane. And I don't know, if you get the BBC, if you can get the iPlayer, then uh, watch the match of the day because uh, the, the game was shown live on BBC. But watch the beginning of match of the day because they do a little montage to Sheffield. And look, it's the biggest regret of my life that I wasn't born in Yorkshire. Um, although I class myself as an honorary Yorkshireman, um, and nobody's told me I can. I just do. Um, you know, the rest of Yorkshire could you know, hold some form of democratic event and tell me I can't do it. But as far as I'm concerned, you know, I've lived far more of my life in Yorkshire than anywhere else. And I consider myself to be from Yorkshire. But the fact of the matter is I wasn't born here. Um, And although I've spent more time in Sheffield probably than in any other city, and it's where I feel at home, it's my spiritual home without a shadow of a doubt. The fact is I'm not from Yorkshire. Um... But when I watched the montage, when I came home and watched the highlights, because I wanted just to see what the um, the pundits had said about the game, I wasn't ready for this little montage at the beginning of the show. And it, it do you know what? Look, a little bit of a little bit of black and white versus a little bit of colour photography, and some stills of parts of the city should not make you feel the way I felt when I watched that thing. But if you feel like that about a place, and I feel like that about Sheffield, then it just did. It just did. Um, there's a little bit at the beginning of the Full Monty that always makes me feel the same the same way. Um, but that was... I just want to say thank you to the BBC for doing that, because it was great, and it was really nice. And the way they did it was, I, th- I thought, was superb. And if you want to understand a little bit about us and the people from Sheffield and how we feel about our football team, then you get a, a little sense of it from watching from watching that. Um, I mean, on to the game, and it was one of those games. I sat, I, I sat and said to my dad before we start, the first 60 minutes are going to be kind of dull because we just need to stop Tottenham scoring, and then we'll make changes at 60 minutes, and then we'll go for it in the last in the last sort of half an hour, which is exactly what we did. And the goal that won the game... Uh, deserved to win the game because it was a great goal and uh, the place was rocking and to a man we we were superb the defense was superb you know the the, the 60 million quid striker they they had up front Richarlison just looked normal just looked bang average they didn't start with Kane which I don't understand why they didn't do that but they didn't which played into our hands and and you know we knock out fourth in the in the table but more importantly we secure a tie against Blackburn at home in the quarterfinals which means there's at least a 50-50 chance we'll be going to Wembley uh, and I would as you'd expect I would argue it's probably better than 50-50 that we're going to Wembley um, so all in all it was an incredible night and obviously um, it's one of those moments where I wished I was still working for Shaw because obviously Shaw being where it was based when I 
you know, when I when I started working there, it was it was based on the edge of Tottenham, and half the people who work at Shaw are Tottenham fans, and half the people who work at Shaw are Arsenal fans, which again is fantastic because if I'd still been there, I could have had a great time with the Arsenal fans and a great time with the Spurs fans as well. So for those who do listen, and I know there are one or two of you who do listen, um, then I am beaming from ear to ear as you expect, uh, and your team didn't turn up tonight. Sorry. <laughs> So Jack and I finished watching Gravity Falls today and um, the 40 odd episodes that were over the two seasons we've been watching an episode a night, maybe sort of three or four episodes a week uh, depending on the night and we got to the end. We got to the the four episode uh, finale run uh, all around what's called Weird Mageddon. Um, now I started watching this um, and it took me a few episodes to get into it. Uh, I do think it's tremendous. It's it's made a big impression on him, a really really big impression on him, in a very positive way actually. Um, and I, you know, for that that which is great by the way, because it's a show that that didn't really land, hasn't landed as much in the UK as it obviously landed in in the US. Um, but I've really got into it. Really, really got into it as we've as we've gone along, and the second season has been absolutely tremendous. The first season was good; the, the episodes were good, they were funny, the humour's good. I think it's a really nice coming of age kind of story. Um, the the two main um, protagonists, um, the the siblings um, Dipper and Mabel, are twelve, and there's a, there's you know there's bits of preteen angst and all kind of things in there. There's there's, there's stuff in there that I think is really interesting, and so as a kind of a Kind of a sort of not coming of age in in the to adulthood, but but that dealing with 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 the aging process. I think it's really really beautifully handled. Um, I think I'd say the whole thing's very very funny. Uh, it's very touching. It's very warm. Um, it's got a little bit of the Goonies about it. It's got a little bit of the X Files about it. Um, you know, it's a it's a really nice piece of work, and it's put together by people who genuinely care. And that absolutely comes across in what they've what they've done. And if you listen to any of the, uh, we bought the, I, I, we got Jack the the box set, the DVDs for Christmas, which unfortunately cut because it's a US thing, you can't get them over here. Um, I've had to. We the only place we can watch them is the Mac, you know. And we've 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 ripped all the things. But what's interesting is not the episodes because we've got the episodes. Was the commentaries, and when you listen to the commentaries with the, you know, with the creator and the and the voice actors and what have you, and some of the writers, then you can see how much care went into this. So it's absolutely been superb, and I would, I would recommend it if you've got Disney. I would rec- recommend it. It really is worth a watch. It's been a really enlightening experience um, for me. Um, and we really enjoyed. We watched um, the last couple of episodes. Uh, tonight and we and it was it was it was just great the way it all the way it all finished off just absolutely superb and now we're looking for what we're going to watch together next um and they did a take on scooby-doo called scooby-doo mystery incorporated which was a bit darker and a bit deeper and was a, a, a genuinely brave thing to do with a scooby-doo story i thought and i've seen a couple of episodes of that but i've never watched it all and jack and i think we're going to watch that so we think that's going to be our next our next thing which is great because his knowledge and interest in animation is uh, is something that doesn't come as naturally to me as say the football does with Josh. So this is a a lovely way of being taught some stuff, 
you know, by by my ten year old who's who's all over it. So we think we're gonna do that one next. There's still some debate about what we will do next because Jack's very particular about what we do and we don't do next. But I think that could be the one. And I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to that as well. <laughs> A bit of a ramble to finish, and I'm going to touch on a few things because I've not really had time to get everything in um, this week. So there's a few things I want to shout out about. Um, first thing is that Josh and I are going to see United play today. He, he's been desperate to go to an away game. So we're going over to watch United play at Blackburn. It's quite a key game in terms of the promotion race. It's an early kickoff. It's a 12.30 kickoff. So we're off away early to go over there. He's really excited. And I've had instructions about what I can and can't wear because I've got to look a little bit more away fan, a little bit more street, a little bit more urban or whatever it is that they... I think drip is the phrase. Was drip the phrase I was given? I can't remember. But um, I've got to look a little bit more like I'm with the, the Shoreham Street Boys than how I normally look when I go to the game. So I've, I've got those instructions. Don't know what that means uh, necessarily this morning. I haven't got time to go out and, you know, buy anything else, but... We'll we'll go with what we've we've got. Um, I wanted to shout out because it 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 dropped into my social media feeds this week, and it reminded me of the fact I'd seen the story before, but I'd not, and I'd read it at the time, and I've read it again. But the boy in the tent, the lad who lost a friend to cancer just before COVID, and this friend bought him a, a tent and said, "Go and have an adventure," and he slept outside for three years raising money for. Um, for North Devon Hospice. And he's decided that in the next few weeks, he's going to come back inside, I think. Um, and that his, his, his time sleeping outside in the tent is done. And I, it reminded me of how great a story that was. Um, so I just wanted to shout out about that. And I'm going to put a, an article in the notes, just as a reminder, because you probably did read it. But just, just a, it's just, do you know what? That's one of those things that makes us who we are, that somebody will do that without the very minimum of fuss. Because with all these things, somebody goes away and runs 10 marathons. And the only time that anybody gets involved is in the first mile and the last mile. And all the stuff in between, you know, the the 120 miles in between, that's invariably one person, maybe with a couple of people in support, just doing the hard miles. And in the case of, you know, in the case of 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 this boy, then, yeah, there's been odd bits of interest. But for three years, he's been doing the hard miles been him and his family you know he had covid in a tent in the middle of summer and that nearly caused him to to give up but it didn't so it was just a kind of a it, it wasn't a, a big thing it was just a nod to we do things like that all the time and those things are hard but they're also really special and we shouldn't necessarily gush for hours on end i think there's a danger that you go over the top on these things but i think at the same time you also need to go yeah fair play fair play that that took some that took some dedication. That took some staying power. That took some willpower. That was that was a really good thing for all the right reasons. So I wanted to shout that shout that out. And then the other thing I wanted to touch on was I wanted to touch on Boris, but well, not really Boris. I wanted to touch on the fact, obviously, all the newspapers this morning, you know, are about he he misled Parliament. And he's going to be summoned to talk in front of this inquiry. But this inquiry is broken rank uh, after the first stages of his information finding. And it doesn't make good reading for the PM. I mean, I mean, you kind of find yourself sort of going, well, really, who knew? Because, um, of, of course, we all knew. 
Um, and now they're scrabbling around desperately trying to, um, you know, pull the wool from under the Sue Gray report because Sue Gray's been offered a job by Labour, as if that's got anything to do with anything. As if somehow, you know, the Sue Gray report is some kind of left-wing plot to get rid of Boris. I mean, the guy doesn't need any help. The guy's perfectly capable of screwing his own political career up. Um, he doesn't. He doesn't need that kind of that kind of help. And 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 to suggest that Sue Gray somehow that her entire report is not credible because she might go and work for Labour further down the line is just is just nonsense beyond nonsense. It's like saying that a striker moves a football club and all the goals he scored before don't count anymore. It's just you know just absolute absolute ridiculous. But this this feels like the beginning of the end. Um, he floated this week that he wasn't happy with Rishi's deal, and I don't think that got an enormous amount of purchase. I think he floated the idea just to see what the response would be. I don't I don't think he genuinely is going to really push it that hard. I might be wrong. He might he might go for broke now. I don't know. Um, but I think that whole wing of the party, what with all the you know the WhatsApp messages being leaked and everything that's going on with those and what will come out of those, I wonder if that. That bit of Tory experiment, that bit of populist Tory experiment, is now just just going to curl up, curl up and die. You know, I don't think the ERG have got the teeth they had. I don't think they can. I certainly don't think they're in a position to uh, object to what Rishi's done with the protocol. So I, I think it's all coming to an end, and I think it's they've had their time, and they had a lot of power which they used. I think to the detriment of the country. But I think Boris at the figurehead and the rest, I think it's coming to an end. Uh, we'll wait and see how it plays out. Um, I was chatting to my dad about it last night and we we disagree on this. He thinks he thinks it's going to be a car crash and Labour's headed for a 100-seat majority. I'm now not so sure. I think, I think Labour probably will get in, but I think it's going to be a lot closer. I think we'll have had 18 months of more grown-up grown up politics. And I think if... If 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 Rishi can do the one thing that no other previous prime minister has done for the last four or five, which is, you know, n- neuter that side of his party, then then I think maybe the public will look a, li- a little bit kinder on it, and they won't get kicked quite as as hard as they perhaps could. But who knows? That's something we can talk about in TFM when we get round to that point. In the meantime, in the meantime, have a really nice day, whatever you're choosing to do. I know it could be a bit cold, but it might be quite sunny just have a nice day get a bit of fresh air if you if you can uh and we will talk again next week if you've enjoyed therapy for me then please subscribe and share as you see fit this has been an a short stories production